This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at stdave.org. So if you were here on Ash Wednesday, uh, you probably heard me preach on the Old Testament reading for that day, where Joel speaks about returning to the Lord with renewed and whole hearts But first, we must rend our hearts open. First, we must tear our hearts open and be made vulnerable to the pain in our lives and to the world around us. You heard that Lent was an invitation to do just that. And last week, you heard Father Chuck preach on how we do that. He invited us to look deeply into the invitation of Ash Wednesday by reviewing the litany of penitence that we pray on that night. He invited us to take an inventory of our lives, to answer the questions about whether or not we have fulfilled the promises we made at our baptism to live this life of faith. He reminded all of us, each and every one of us, that we all have failed miserably but I'm glad to be in good company. Because at least we are all here, trying once again this Lent to ask all these questions, to tear our hearts open and try to do better. Our collect for today reminds us of this invitation. Be gracious to all, O God, who have gone astray from all your ways and bring us once again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, our Son. Our colleague for today continues that Lenten theme of bringing our penitent hearts back to the ways of Christ, the ways of being a disciple and what it means to follow Christ. And in today's gospel, Jesus tells us exactly how we are to follow. If any want to become my followers, then let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Deny yourself in order to follow me. We must be willing to lose our lives in order to save it, to put aside human things and focus on divine things. Now, I have not been the outspoken, say what I think, sometimes loud, Latina Episcopal priest you see today. (laughs) I really have changed over the years. Shocking, I know. I was quite different as a young child. So picture this a deathly shy and quiet girl who actually went unnoticed most of the time, number seven of eight children. I really was. Not difficult to do, going unnoticed, that is, in a family of eight kids. Now, when I was a young child, not just once, but twice, I was left at school, forgotten, until late in the evening. Before the age of cell phones, I would sit on the sidewalk of the school, deathly afraid, in the dark. And I would stare at the convent door of the Sisters of St. Teresa Catholic School, trying to grip enough 
uh, uh, gear up enough uh, strength and courage to knock on the door to ask for some help. The nuns were scary, y'all. <laughs> so when you look at me now, do you think I would even think twice about knocking on that convent door? Probably not. Uh, I wasn't always this way. How about you? How have you changed over the years? Today's gospel passage can be found almost dead center in the gospel of Mark. It has been widely seen as the key turning point within this particular narrative of Jesus' life. In the first half of Mark's gospel, and in the last several months since Christmas, we have heard a lot about Jesus and the crowds and the healing of dozens, if not hundreds, of people, including the expulsion of demons. But here we begin to see a transition in Jesus' ministry. We begin to see a Jesus whose ministry now focuses on his disciples and the message of discipleships. The story shows us what the apostles and we, as disciples, must be willing to do in order to follow Jesus. And actually, in the second half of Mark's story, we hear three predictions of what is to come, and that is the passion narrative. Jesus is going to die, and not just any death, but one on the cross. This particular reading is the first prediction of three, and it's not exactly what his disciples had in mind. It's no wonder that this reading is included as part of our Lenten readings and our Lenten journey. Who do you say I am, asked Jesus. Peter knows that he is the Messiah and says so. But you see, Peter's Messiah may not be the one he has pictured in his mind. And it's clear from the exchange between Peter and Jesus that they are at odds about what this Messiah looks like. Peter's expectation of what the Messiah should be does not match Jesus's. It is at this point in the gospel that we start to understand who Jesus really is. We hear what he must do. We hear that Peter and the other disciples must be willing to do, and we hear what we as followers must be willing to do. When Peter and his friends see Jesus do the miraculous acts as acts of power, they actually fail to see Jesus as who he is. And that, my friends, is love made manifest. Jesus' acts are all acts of love that will lead him to the ultimate act of love, and that's the cross, his sacrifice for all of us. Jesus knows what type of Messiah he is, and he will not be deterred, for glory, that is true glory, will be through the act of sacrificial love and the cross. He will continue to love his disciples even when they misunderstand him or choose not to follow him, and that includes us here today. In the end, God will take what looks like weakness and demonstrate true strength and will transform what looks like disgrace and reveal God's revelatory and surprising and yes, quite unsettling, but ultimately life-giving glory. 
When have you experienced that kind of glory in your life that comes from sacrificial love? In this particular scene in Mark, we have the first of many breakthroughs of who Jesus really is, and yet the disciples still do not clearly understand. They still do not see Jesus, who Jesus is, and what he must do. To be quite honest, given how the disciples continue to act through the second half of Mark's gospel, it looks like they never are really going to quite get it at least not until the resurrection. But we get it, don't we? Who do you say I am? Or rather, who do you say you are? Why are you here? Are you willing to be transformed? Will you take up the cross and follow? Are you willing to be changed, to be made uncomfortable and to grow? In Frederick Beekner's book, Listening to Your Life, he asks a series of questions, not unlike the ones mentioned here earlier, with the goal of helping the reader discern where they've been and where they're going. In his book, he says this, to hear yourself answer questions like these is to begin to hear something, not only of who you are, but what you're failing to become. It can be a pretty depressing business, all in all, but if a sackcloth and ashes are at the start of it, something like Easter may be at the end. Friends, I'm not the same person I was when I was knocking on that convent door as a scared little girl. I'm not the same person I was when I first came to you three years ago. I'm hopefully not the same person I was last Lent. I am so much more. I am transformed and constantly being made new. Slowly, blurry, glimpsing, and slowly understanding, just like the apostles. My friends, this is Lent, another chance to do better and be better disciples. For the longer and more deeply we know God, the longer we choose to return and follow Jesus' path, the more we become who, we're, we, who we were created to be. Amen. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at stdave.org and click on the podcast button.